that's my bad. I'm sorry. I was spaced out here. <laughs> we are. Sorry, I didn't have my backup going anyways, but I do now. Oh, yeah. and I certainly just don't because I didn't even think about it because... Yeah. <laughs> yep, that we're sounds all about right. fucking like in Fuck. some weird displacement limbo right now. Just burnt. <laughs> Everything feels like... I feel like all my edges are frayed or something. It's just weird. Yeah, all right, it's... my backup has started. <laughs> None I... of us are living in any sur- sort of fucking normal circumstances right now. That is yes. 100% true. Yeah, I... this is uh, not where I want to be right yeah. now. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess uh, welcome to episode 201 of Dance Robot Dance, where three wastrels, three vagabonds have <laughs> gathered together today to talk about a bunch of nerdy shit. And there there has been some news, so let's get to it. Who else is on the podcast this week, Paul? Oh, uh, hi, Tim. <laughs> Tim is on the podcast. He's a co-host of mine. I don't know if you guys know this. I don't know if you've met Tim. And I, there's this other guy. His name's Mark. And he's been my brother for like 34 years in a bit. I couldn't tell you because I don't know how old you are right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. I physically cannot recall that information yeah so we are all off of our routine right now folks which is why this is probably going to be all over the fucking place yeah this is yeah i mean like it's also like this sunday night after the riots so like yeah things are in a weird spot right now so we're all in weird spot at the moment yeah Yeah. so we're just gonna try to keep it light and fluffy and on that note (laughs) let's get started with our news um, which we're not going to talk about the riots because, uh, no, it's too much. Black Lives Matter, donate if you can. There are lots of charities who need it. And that's all I'm going to say because... And if you're fucking like mourning some broken windows and merchandise more than like people dying, then that's a fucking problem. Yeah. Go punch a cop, guys. Just go punch a cop is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> all cops are <laughs> bastards. Fuck the police. Yeah. ACAB, uh, baby. So we got some really terrible news. David Ayer has decided that he needs to release the Ayer cut of Suicide Squad because the his quote-unquote soulful drama was quote-unquote beaten into a comedy. Mm. Uh... <laughs> no, what probably happened, guys, is he listened to our script doc during of Suicide Squad, and now he's just going to make our movie. Oh, uh, so he's gonna like reshoot the entire film from scratch? Hey, that's what fucking Snyder appears to be doing. Like, apparently, it's costing it him a shitload to uh, yeah. to CGI uh, Dark Side into that. Yeah, it's uh, there's there's a lot of weird amounts of money being spent on terrible ideas for movies that don't deserve a second go round. Like we're already getting, I forgot about this until I started talking just now. The, the James Gunn suicide squad is coming out at some point, right? Like, yes. So why do we need this? uh, Shootings wrapped on that, isn't it? I, well, fuck who knows. Maybe right now. Well, they might've needed to do reshoots that they didn't get to or something like that. I have no idea. But at this point, like, I guess HBO Max, because of their disastrous launch this week that people have been complaining about a yeah. lot, I guess they needed some different kind of press. Not better, apparently, because I, I think that kind of a shaky launch on a new service is understandable. This is incomprehensible to me why you need an air cut of Suicide Squad. So... 
there was all uh, kinds of shit that would that uh hbo has had said was going to be like on hbo max day one and it's just not there and shit and yeah yeah. Did you sign up? Like, well, I guess no, you would I, have, right? Yeah, because it's it's only in the states right yeah, now. Yeah, right? it's it's not in Canada, anyways. But yeah, I've, uh, I I do have one or two friends that I think uh, got it and have been using it. But yeah, I don't I don't really think fucking HBO needs my money. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is uh this is fucked me up because I forgot for a second that you were here. Like I forgot <laughs> you were in Canada. That's how fucked up this week has been for me. Like I forgot because I've been here for Canada six again. weeks, and that the yes. only people I've seen in person are like my parents and my sister and her husband yeah <laughs> well that's basically like all paul and i have really seen in the last like probably what 12 weeks is really just like our mom and dad like maybe my sister a couple times kind yeah. of thing yeah. not really anybody else we like a, a couple stray extended family members here and there but yeah yeah, yeah yeah we're just uh we our our covid bubble is pretty small as it was yeah. like our co- covid team whatever they're you're supposed to call it the yeah. pe- the people you've chosen to come into contact with in these uncertain times so yeah but hbo max i actually um watched uh, one of the new hbo max shows called legendary which is a show about um like ballroom houses like queer ballroom houses and and it's it was really cool and it's basically like what's that show so you think you can dance or america's got talent meets like some kind of fashion runway but super gay and i'm really loving it so far first episode is pretty solid really enjoying it but other than that i have no desire to uh indulge in hbo max at all so i mean like hbo max as like a service itself is something i'm interested in because it is hbo and like all most of the time like that's quality programming so yeah but like it's i had to order crave or whatever the fuck up here so who cares (laughs) yeah yeah exactly does not impact any of us any longer no yeah absolutely All right, next we've got, oh, in more DC movie news, we have Henry Cavill in talks to return as Superman because we need a good Superman movie starring Henry Cavill, hopefully. Um, Fuck you, we had one. We we had one good movie starring Henry Cavill as Superman. We had fucking Man of Steel. Oh, no, 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 Tim, he said good movie, not mediocre at best. Yeah. Man of Steel was a good movie. No, it wasn't. Oh, it was it dour wasn't. and shitty, and I hate. Like, I hated it. <laughs> it's like the worst Superman movie I could have possibly imagined. Actually, no, not really. I mean, there's no, definitely no. worse Superman movies yes. you could do. But uh, Super, worst super movies, Superman movies have been done. Even if Superman Four has a certain camp quality to it, it's still a piece of shit. Like Superman Four, at least has that camp quality. Superman Three, Three. I will go on record, is the fucking like worst thing that they've ever done with a character. But Man of Steel, and is, then there's Superman say. Returns. I. Oh, so boring. <laughs> so they've had like one and a half good movies with Superman in it. So like maybe it's time we do get a good Superman movie. So that's great. Let's hey, Superman uh, Two is good. Anyways, yeah, true, true. Superman Two is watchable yeah. for sure. Yeah. So yeah, but I yeah I really do think Henry Cavill like deserves a shot. Maybe he's not the most talented actor ever. Man, you've never seen Man from Uncle. You really need to stop saying things horrible things about Henry Cavill, besmirching <laughs> our Superman. Thing is, like he's it. built for that fucking role. Is, yeah, is he just, is. Yeah. So he he look he's just the perfect physical specimen for Superman. Yeah, so I just yeah. want him to be in a good Superman movie and maybe let him smile here and there, just like once, maybe you know sure. that would be cool. So yeah, Henry Cavill. Let's see what else? 
oh, Disney World plans for a July reopening. Yeah. And Universal's opening like this In week. June. Yeah. Yeah, like June 5th or some shit like that. And uh, yeah, so Disney World is doing two of the parks, Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom, are opening July 11th. And then Epcot and Hollywood Studios are opening July 13th. And I have people that work at Dis- like friends I know that work at Disney World still and are happy about this, but I don't know. I think it's a bad idea at this point, but I think they're going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, I just think that these are this is asking for multiple outbreaks to happen. Here's my take: is Universal is always like more reckless and careless with guest safety and that sort of thing, and so they're planning to open earlier. So, and Disney right now is saying like, and then six weeks later we'll open. So I think what Disney is doing is waiting for Universal to fuck things up. And like there to be several outbreaks related to Universal. And then Disney's going to say, like, based on what's happened over there, we're going to have to stay closed for a while longer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And which is prudent on their part, but it's still like, even it's so, I don't know, Orwellian and pessimistic and just kind of cynical. Just like, we're yeah. just going to watch these idiots at Universal like create a brand new petri dish so we can like, stage our own opening later it's just uh, i hate this world i hate what we are living in right now it's terrible and the problem with it is is that it's all because the fucking u.s government has not taken the actions that like canada and a lot of other more progressive governments have to fucking actually you know provide some financial support some like real level of financial support not twelve hundred dollar twelve hundred trump bucks yeah <laughs> and in a one-time payment to you know make sure that people are able to get through you know their their job loss yeah and disney it's uh, like disney world itself has trouble having guests comply with their rules to begin with so how are they mm-hmm. going to comply with rules on top of covid19 rules in the well, park that there's already been like um, Disney Springs, which is like their shopping district, which isn't a ticketed area, has already been reopened for a couple of weeks. And there's already been people there doing like stupid shit, uh, like not wearing fucking masks and like people getting kicked out because they're not wearing masks and they make a fucking scene. There was a family that literally brought a grill and were cooking up like hot dogs on this little portable grill in the middle of this like fucking shopping district. They Jesus. thought that that was an OK thing to do. <laughs> Just delete America. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. And the thing is, that's the level of people. Like, there's so many fucking idiot asshole entitled people that go to these parks Mm -hmm. and think that the rules are for everybody but them. And those are the people that are going to ruin it for everybody else. Yep. Well, thankfully, the border's closed. Not for Alicia, but for the rest of us, thankfully, the fucking border's closed. Mm -hmm. Well, we were just, we were on a, like, a video call with some of our friends from the uh, Atlanta Tolkien group today, and, uh, like, we got into that discussion, and Alicia was like, I fucking understand. Like, if I was a Canadian, I would not want some, like, random fucking Americans coming into my country, because we don't know where they've been. Nope. And they don't don't know how to behave. Yeah, we're having a real uh, etiquette problem right now, I think, in the States. So I think it might be good enough that we keep the border closed for... We'll just go in indefinitely for right now. Uh, Until further notice. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So next on the news list. So long ago, we talked about the uh, arson that happened at Kyoto Animation. 
mm-hmm. where uh, many Japanese animators and people who worked at that office were killed in an arson because some lunatic thought that they had stolen his novel idea. And they finally arrested the guy after he's uh, sufficiently recovered from uh, his burnings, his burns, which yeah. it, if there had been any justice, they, it would have Taken ended him. him. Yeah, but here we are now. So, yeah, a lot of people were like, why hadn't they arrested him already? It's like, uh, well, he was like maybe going to be dead. So it would have you know saved us the trouble. But, you know, here we are. So. Yeah. Medical science, guys. Medical science, you know? Yeah. yeah. But Japan still does have the death penalty, and they hang people in Japan. So maybe he'll we'll get what's coming to him. Who knows? Not that I'm pro-death penalty usually, but in an open and shut case like this, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. My, my, my mercy and sympathy for someone like that... It's kind of at a low ebb right now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trying to, trying to remain valley, optimistic and, yeah... Yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. see, Josh Gad uh, is continuing his Zoom reunion things. Um, he reunited the cast of Lord of the Rings for reunited part. That's what I why I was on that call this morning was we we did a, a watch along to it with like some of our Atlanta Tolkien friends. Oh, yeah, and that sounds. It was fun. awesome. They got fucking like the only people they didn't get were like or uh, that were like sort of top level actors were I mean Christopher Lee's dead and they yeah. did not exhume his corpse for this uh and Kate Bel- Kate Blanchett was the only other one that wasn't really on it but like That's entire awesome. fellowship yeah Ian McKellen was there Miranda Otto Carl Urban yeah it was it was intense That's awesome Oh it was the longest one that they'd done so far um cuz the, the others have been like maybe half an hour or so this one was like 45 minutes mm-hmm. um and for anybody that's not f- familiar with the format towards the end of it they start having some of the actors uh like do readings of of some scenes and they had uh Ian McKellen do like his when he is reintroduced as Gandalf the White, like his Gandalf the Grey. Yes, that was me. Um except he definitely said Gandalf the Gay. So anybody that wants it, there is now on purpose, fully on purpose. There is now legit audio of Ian McKellen saying Gandalf the gay. Yay. Have at it, internet. <laughs> my, my new uh, ringtone is going to... <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I love those. I love Ian McKellen. He is just well, and adorable. That, that- that group is so much fun to get together. Like anybody that's watched any of the behind the scenes stuff from the Lord of the Rings movies or um, ever seen them like doing press or interviews, like they all get along so well. And there's such like a congenial, you know, family kind of atmosphere mm-hmm. that, you know, they, they all have such great memories and stories and shit to tell. And they all like take the piss out of each other as well. So it was really, really fun to watch. Yeah. And uh, so the next one is going to be a Ghostbusters reunion. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's next weekend, yeah. Without Harold, without Harold Ramis, I wonder if they'll get Rick Moranis. Ooh, he's yeah, he has. He's been doing right. some press lately. Yeah, that's true. That's a good pull. That would be fucking awesome if they got who. Who's on the list for that right now? I don't think they've announced anything yet. They just at the end of this episode played like just started playing the Ghostbusters theme music just to oh. tease it for next week. So it could very well be like the 2016 version. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was the Ray Parker Jr. music. Okay, fair enough. And I mean, I, I'm guessing that they must have Bill Murray because I don't think they w- they do it without Bill Murray. Well, like, I, I mean, mean, like, yeah, he's been involved with stuff lately. Like, and he is in Afterlife. So I'm assuming he's kind of like floating around a little bit yeah. more accessible than usual. Mm-hmm. So they, you, you assume they got probably, I think they got Sigourney too. 
Yeah, yeah. She's, she's she game for mostly everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it'd be like that'd be Bill Murray, Sigourney Weaver. You you know Dan Aykroyd's gonna be there. Oh like, yeah, for fuck's and sakes. Ernie Hudson will be because yeah. he's doing fuck all else right now. And, and then fingers crossed for Annie Potts because yeah. like at least then we get to laugh because she's fucking hilarious. Whether it's on a movie or just sitting there talking to you. So yeah, yeah. And maybe yeah. maybe uh, Gregory Peck or not Gregory Peck. Not Gregory Peck. 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 William Atherton. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Um, that's all the news I had, guys. So I had a couple. Bye. So this one, um, I'm. I think I'm the only one watching the Batman or Batwoman DC CW show. But uh, yes. Ruby Rose is stepping down as Batwoman for season two. So she, obviously, she was in the title role of of the series. Uh, she's not really saying why she's stepping down, but she did have a pretty bad accident on set that caused like some a back pretty bad back injury so well, she already had a pretty bad back injury i think and like it was re-injured by yeah. being on set so yeah i don't think i think physically she wasn't up for the role and i also think there was a bunch of other shit that probably was involved with that particular decision so yeah unfortunately there was because it was an lgbt led uh show there was also a lot of online backlash by pieces of garbage uh that i think she probably got sick of dealing with as well so i don't know i thought she was pretty good in the role overall um i haven't finished watching the season yet but uh it's on my on my list yeah uh, i saw her in uh i watched crisis this year i liked her as batwoman yeah. so far from what i saw i mean it fit in with the tone of those shows i guess which is kind of damning by faint praise i guess but still she was sort of like the the you know sarcastic darker tone tone to that kind of thing yeah like she played off ollie pretty like she had yeah, I think she would have filled that void that that Oliver is going to leave in that universe. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I don't. There's a, there's a lot of people who are excited to step into that role because I saw immediately Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine Nine was like, I am reading everything mm. that is related to Batwoman, so I can go try out. And I was like, Nice. <laughs> I'd sign the fuck up to watch that. Actually, <laughs> probably even like I like Ruby Rose, but I'd be like way more into seeing Stephanie Beatrice take that role probably mm-hmm. yeah. after seven years of or six years of Brooklyn Nine Nine or whatever, however long that show's been on. Seven, yeah. and a, six and a half now. Not long Season enough. Seven should be on forever. <laughs> Show is amazing. Yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing how they write it next year. Now, <laughs> yeah. Did you guys see that we are apparently getting a labyrinth sequel, directed by <sighs> Scott Derrickson, who uh, directed Doctor Strange? Uh yeah. And I'm interested to see where this is going. Maybe they can get Tilda Swinton to play the Goblin Queen or something. That'd be I'd be so down. I was, I was just going to say, like, I immediately don't care because there's no possibility that David Bowie is in hey. this to make it watchable for me. Or also Jennifer Connelly not going to be in it. So hey, you Jennifer don't know Connelly's that. still working. She, she's true. in the new Snowpiercer uh, show true. on yeah. Netflix, which That's I didn't true. even know was a thing. Jennifer Connelly, Goblin Queen. I would watch the show. Oh, I would actually, watch that too. That's holy awesome. shit, that actually works. That works really well. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Jennifer Connelly it. does can do that icy kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she could she could embody a bit of that Bowie energy. I feel like she she may have. I don't know at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, so, but I, I'd be down for that. Yeah, being produced by uh, one of Jim Henson's daughters, Lisa, and uh, I don't know who this is that's writing the script, but yeah. So I haven't said anything about like what it'd be about or anything, but I'm at least intrigued. Yeah, I I would. I'm definitely going to watch that because it's Labyrinth, and I've I've seen that movie. 
a million times. At least, at least a million times. Oh my god, you used to make so, us watch it constantly. I so, watched yeah. it before I left Korea, actually, if I'm not mistaken, just before. I can't remember the last time I saw it, but I hate the puppets in that fucking movie. Like, uh, I hate them. What? How dare you? In Labyrinth? Yeah. All the henta puppets? Yeah, I mean, me those, there's a couple those that weird demon up. things that like can take off their own heads. Like, I get it. They're kind of creepy. No, that no, um, everything. That column of hands passing uh, oh, Jennifer yeah. Connelly down at one point. She I definitely had nightmares. Down. She chose yeah. down. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I definitely had nightmares of that as a child. Yeah. 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 And it's the, between that and the the Dark Crystal stuff, right? Like, I just I can't deal with any of those fucking puppets. They just freak me out for some reason. You so. don't like the ske- the sexy skexies? Uh, no, no. No. Jeez. Jeez. Dark crystal. But that was everything I had. All right. Cool. So let's move on to our geek of the week. Geek of the week. The segment where we talk about the geekiest thing we did this week. So let's start with Tim. I got new comics. Uh, I found comics. New comics have started shipping to stores again the last couple of weeks, and so uh, I found a new comic store in Toronto. It's the Beguiling. I used to go there all the time when I lived in Toronto. That place is great. I sort of, you know, put some feelers out in a couple places, um, including on the podcast. And Matthew Fab, one of our listeners, as well as a couple other people, had recommended it to me. It's not exactly the closest shop to where I'll be living, but it's not. Like it's a little bit further than a couple of other shops, but those shops looked like they were like mostly sports cards and shit like that. Whereas like Beguiling seems like comics and art books are like kind of their main bend. So I like to go to places where, you know, that's really what they do. You know, they understand the the clientele a little bit better when it's their primary business. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, they've just been doing like curbside pickup. So I've just been going down there the last couple of weeks and it's nice. It gets me into the house and gets me to drive, but you know, it's still pretty safe and nobody on the fucking streets in Toronto right now. Driving in Toronto is a dream. Yeah. It's, it's actually the first uh, time. The last time we drove in was the busiest it had been in like weeks. And even then we were downtown and like, 30 minutes or something like that i was like this is like it's being like it's like being in the fucking twilight zone if you're a uh excuse me is like a regular gta driver kind of thing yeah like i have been for the past couple years and like even just getting on the 401 and it like moving at a normal clip at four o'clock in the afternoon is fucking (laughs) baffling you know what i mean like it feels weird And hopefully this will be, you know, maybe not to this degree, but it'll be lasting to some extent because a lot of employers will start figuring out like, wait, maybe we don't need to have this huge office space and we can have big chunks of our workforce working remotely and we can get a bunch of cars off the road, you know, five days a week and that kind of thing. And fingers crossed they start hiring designers that way. That's all I'm saying. That's (laughs) all I'm saying. Alicia's working remotely now, so. Well, everybody I know who's still in the in the industry that hasn't been furloughed or just outright shit can which is probably about 90 percent of the people really they are basically working remotely but uh, mm-hmm. most people have gotten basically shit canned or furloughed so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah well mark what was your geek of the week uh i don't even think i have one man we've been mm-hmm. like we recorded the last episode i edited and put it out and then we started into the move grind and it's just been move grind all week since i think so Moving is moving as a geek is its own special geekery because you've oh. got to like 
pack up all those figures and models and make sure it's all fucking safe. And the fucking the purging is like is true. You know, like I'm just I hate having shit and I hate moving it <laughs> and I just I hate it all. So yeah, there were <sighs> so many. So you want many you different want a big cables. run of Marvel comics, Tim? Like I've got like five long boxes worth of shit that I'm like I don't want these anymore. I just because I, I don't want to carry them anymore. <laughs> like I'm just done. <laughs> I don't want anything anymore. No more books. I'll books take them. Suck. I just. I just bought a brand new huge basement. <laughs> Perfect. Next, well, the first time I come over, I'll bring them with me. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So yeah, my geek of the week this week was kind of similar. It's just like breaking things down, but I like in between just watching a lot of like numbered internet lists about Final Fantasy mostly because like wait. I just got. I, wait. Are you seriously not going to talk about fucking Drag Race after the fucking 24 hours you put me through last week? That was like- going to be my... Okay, well, I guess... Okay, so... <laughs> all right, we'll talk about it. I um, even saw most of the finale because of you now, so... So, um, Drag Race had its season finale. Uh, season 12 is finished, and they've crowned a new winter- winner. Spoiler alert for the queers out there. Jada Essence Hall is our new queen. She's from Wisconsin. She's fucking amazing and totally deserved her win. But... What what made me lose my mind was Crystal Method's uh, finale look where she literally built herself into a, a full-sized, human-sized pinata <laughs> that could actually shoot confetti out of the butt, <laughs> which is just like <laughs> the greatest thing. It just tickled me in the right way. And it made me yeah. so happy. He ran into like He ran to me and was like, you have to see this. And I was like, what is it? He's like, it's Drag Race. And I was like, okay, fine. And he showed me, yeah, and it is, yeah, a drag queen. It's not even, like, you can't even tell, right? It's just like a face surrounded by a box of, like, the pinata thing. Yeah. And I was just like, that is a six-foot-tall pinata. Yeah. <laughs> so if it was shooting that glitter out holes. of its ass. And, yeah, shooting glitter out of its ass and, like, oh, just so great. So Literally, great. just one of the coolest things I've seen yeah. this week. And so. for Canadian content, Crystal Method, who was the pinata queen, um, did a digital drag uh, show as part of her challenge for trying to win the crown, lip synced to I'm Like a Bird, and made this kind of like weird bird puppet thing where her face was showing and she regurgitated into her own bird mouth while I'm Like a Bird by Nolly Furtado was playing. It was <laughs> so good. It was one of the fucking coolest things I've ever seen. It was, it was, it so was, good. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. And that also reminded me that Nelly Furtado existed at one point. Like, I completely <laughs> forgot until I heard Paul, like, Paul was playing it for me and I was like, who is this? I was like, oh, I know this, but like, what? He's like, Nelly Furtado. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot she person. was a person. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't even remember she existed as a human being. That's awesome. Yeah. Pretty green eyes, that girl. Anyway, I see Winston behind him. I'm actually on the screen now. <laughs> He's like yeah. laying in bed. Luxurious. Winston, stop licking the bed. No, that's <laughs> dogs do. Dogs lick beds. Or legs mm-hmm. constantly. Everything. Yeah. Lick, lick, lick. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess that my geek of the week was probably me geeking out over Drag Race. And the next day, just like... Oh, my God. You were on Reddit all day. Well, it was just ignoring... <laughs> I was trying to ignore the the protest. Like, not ignoring. Yeah. Like, I kept myself informed, but was trying to focus on, like, fun things. And the, the overall fandom of Drag Race was really supportive of Jada's win. But they were like, oh, she's a black queen and she won because she's black in this political climate. And pe- like 90% of the fan base was like, shut the fuck up, racist uh, assholes. Because yeah. even in uh, 
the drag race fandom, there's a bunch of racist assholes and it's just fucking infuriating. So there you go. <laughs> Doesn't matter which fandom you're in. There's shit bastards everywhere. So there you go. Anyway. So with that, let's move on to our very imaginative meat of the episode. Anime nightmare fuel meat. So I decided to indulge myself a little further on this podcast and force <laughs> Tim and Mark to watch more anime. But I'm trying to be very selective and curate things to our general tastes. And so I forced them to watch the psychological sci-fi thriller epic Paprika. Oh, is that what we're talking about this week? I completely forgot we watched that movie. It's been <laughs> it's been three years a, since we watched it. It's obviously. been about six decades since I saw it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Paprika uh, is a movie that's directed. Oh. We're talking about Paprika. Paprika was originally uh, a novel that was a had its chapter serialized. Uh, so it was uh, popping up a chapter at a time um, between 1991 and 1993. Um, but it got turned into a movie in 2006 by the famed anime director Satoshi Kon, who has sadly passed away since then of cancer. Um, he directed some anime classics, for those in the know, uh, Perfect Blue, Tokyo Godfathers, Millennium Actress, and the series Paranoia Agent. And he's basically my favorite anime creator of all time, except for um, the guy who did Utena, which, uh, yeah, anyway. So, Satoshi Kon... I'm sorry about what's about to happen, Paul. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so, uh, Paprika is... Well, how about we do the thing where you guys tell me what Paprika's about? Because uh, it's more fun that way. <laughs> tell me, because especially... You want, the, one? you want me to do it? Yeah. I mean, because mine, mine's I, I really the last easy. One. I did Akira. Uh, so this movie is about a, uh, it's a, it's inception basically. Um, (laughs) and the matrix and the matrix kind of, but mostly inception. I think, I think it's mostly about going into dreams and like the dreams, whatever. Uh, I don't know how to describe the plot to this movie. It's basically, um, a bunch of people start going insane and trying to kill themselves because this dream machine, this machine that can manipulate dreams that they've used has been hacked because the guy who invented it didn't install any firewall systems or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. This is like the worst fucking system architect I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So it's been hacked and people like somebody, I don't remember who it is. It's the boss, right? Who's mm-hmm. manipulating people. Somebody's yeah, manipulating evil, people. Evil Japanese professor X. Yes. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. That's right. Um, he is causing people to go insane for some reason um fair <laughs> um, i can't remember i can't remember the reason right now i'm sure it's i'm sure it's in there um and then uh yeah but so the the but the woman and the dude who developed the thing along with their chief are like investigating it alongside a cop who is also involved with the woman who helped develop it who is also a dream therapist who has a alter ego called paprika who is the polar opposite of her real life self because she is a prim and proper dark-haired lady and then paprika is this like manic pixie dream girl redhead who flits in and out of television screens and shit and that's where the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind comes in (laughs) well there you go so (laughs) 
Um, so as they go along, people start like falling into this dream where like this parade's happening and, uh, Paprika and the cop have to like kind of team up, I guess, to figure out what's going on. And it turns out that like the boss guy is actually the bad guy and him and his lieutenant who are secret gay lovers, master slave, something, 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 uh, are out to get everybody or something wacky because the guy doesn't have the use of his legs and he's trying to take over his slave's body via the dream thing mm-hmm. and then <laughs> it, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy beat the shit out of everybody is that how this one ends <laughs> I don't remember anymore no it's Joseph Gordon-Levin that one that beats up everybody sorry Yeah. no I'm confused now this movie was confusing mm-hmm but I think I got most of it. Did I get most of it? Oh, yes. Also, Paprika is really this the, the, the main character whose name is escaping me because it's been 600 years since I watched this movie. Chiba. Chiba's uh, alter ego. And there, she is that. She looks the way she does compared to the real girl, Chiba, because that's her mental ideation of her and the developer um, having a baby together or something like that. Yeah. I think is what I was interpreting that as. Yeah. No, she's just, she's just the lady in red from the matrix, basically. (laughs) I mean, sure. Also, (laughs) yes. I mean, also, yes. So like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I don't know. This movie was very confusing. I had a great time watching it, but man, was I confused. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, that's pretty much it. It's just, so the, the big thing that you missed, I think is about how um, within the dream, there was a, a, collective dream among everyone's subconscious developing uh, getting connected through this dream surfing device and that was going to start pouring out into the real world and start fucking up our reality which is what they they were trying to stop did they ever give the device an actual name because like they kept calling it dc mini well they said dc mini but what like is that dreamcast is it was this yeah like yeah this is a sega product it actually means yeah yeah. So I'm assuming it's Dreamcast 2, right? Like that's yeah, what yeah. this thing is. There it is. All right, cool. And by the way, that collective Yeah, that collective dream that threatens to bleed into reality is a terrifying nightmare parade. <laughs> yeah. It's a parade of a lot of weird um like some Japanese folklore mixed with like very modern Japanese anxieties mixed with just random shit from creepy toys and creepy toys, lots of dolls. Um, Specifically the dolls are the creepiest things for sure. Uh, So uh, yeah, general thoughts and impressions guys of paprika. What, like when you, when you first watched it, were so, I got him. The first person who watched it among the three of us this time was Tim, and we got, I got a me- we got a message on the group chat saying, "What the fuck are you making me watch?" And why was I high when I did this? Because that was a mis- <laughs> kind of a mistake. Uh, yeah. So, how did you feel watching it? Uh, yeah, I, 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 this movie fucked me up a bit because I definitely dropped some edibles before I watched it, and I should not have. The creepy toy parade was kind of fucking with me. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I didn't know what to expect. Like, this was a movie I'd never fucking heard of before I watched. And I, so I purposely was like, I'm not even going to look up what the hell this thing is about. And so I just, I just like acquired it and watched it. And I was like, what the fuck is Paul inflicting on me (laughs) (laughs) this week? Yeah, I don't know. This is not my kind of anime. There's very little that is my kind of anime, but this was not a particularly enjoyable experience for me. (laughs) How about you, Mark? 
I had a good time with it expressly because Tim told me he watched it while he was high and I was like I'm definitely going to get high and watch it then <laughs> I may be a little bit more experienced with my marijuana intake <laughs> than Tim is though so there is that but uh, yeah I had so I got baked and watched it and I had a fucking blast with it because I was like this is anime inception with pretty <laughs> girls I'm on board let's do this I mean first of all it's animated beautifully like before we go any further yes. like it is maybe I mean, we've said this about almost every one of these movies we've ended up watching, but it's so fabulously animated. If you're a fan of that kind of stuff, I definitely think you should take a look at it, regardless of the plot and the weirdness around it. But like, I enjoy that kind of weirdness. I mean, I immediately was like, "Ooh, Inception, let's do this. I'm on board. So, yeah, no, I had a good time with it. Um, I don't know if I would have actually gone out and like sought it out myself, but it is like I think Paul's doing a very good job at the very least of targeting me with the movies he's picking because I'm like every time I'm like oh I usually kind of come into these expecting exactly the same like to have the reaction Tim's having this time where I'm like oh all right it's not my kind of thing at all but every time I'm like oh yeah he's just making sure that this is inception so I'm yeah. not going to be angry at it <laughs> yeah. I try yeah. it's appealing I would... to the Christopher Nolan side of... yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was trying to I always try to curate the things that we watch like i knew we needed to do ghibli so i did wait i chose princess mononoke because that was like the most grown up of the bunch and uh akira was just like a no-brainer yeah that's easy yeah because it's blade runner uh yeah and and this one was inception before inception yeah and yet and yet the matrix and eternal spot uh, eternal oh wow eternal sunshine of the spotless mind yes yeah so it's it's matrix and eternal Oh fuck! See, I can't even do it. Forget it. Forget <laughs> yeah. it. Just keep that talking. Jim Carrey movie. Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that Jim Why? Carrey movie. So it's that Jim Carrey movie and The Matrix combined. But bef- after, I guess those ones, because The Matrix ninety nine, right? When did Eternal? Uh, Jesus! Eternal, <laughs> Eternal sunshine, sunshine of the spotless mind. Eternal sunshine <laughs> of the spot. I'm leaving this all in because so, yeah. what a fucking disaster. Eternal, Eternal sunshine, sunshine came out in two thousand four. Two years. Okay, perfect. This. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So before, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. But then Chris Nolan ripped it off and made Inception. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. But so I, I I'm with uh, Mark on like yes, this is a beautifully animated movie for sure. Like visually, it was great, but like visuals are not quite enough to keep me you know engaged in a movie. And 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 I did I I did like the animation, but having just watched Akira a few weeks ago. I didn't think it was that much better than Akira, despite almost 20 years between the two. Like for my money, live action film in that period of time, definitely advanced visually a lot further than animated. If this is, if those two pieces are representative of the quality of those times. I think the, the problem is that Akira was so far ahead of its time that it Mm. has kind of, it has influenced everything else out there. Paul can maybe correct me on this, but I feel like Akira was like, a big step forward for that style of animation. Okay. And that's kind of the standard for how the movies are supposed to look now. And that's why you would see, like, I could tell this was better animated than Akita, but it like was, only yeah. because of little things like, like there's it's clearly digitally done a little bit there's, more, yeah, there's there's more CG, CGI and stuff, bits and stuff yeah. which I always like because it kind of smooths out some rough edges and drawings and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I think I thought it was quite well animated one way or the other. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I like this movie a lot because, yes, the animation and the sci-fi conceit I find pretty interesting, but it is basically kind of a whodunit mystery that ends in a kind of like, 
weird action climax. And overall, I find it to be pretty, I don't know, it's a really, it's only about 90 minutes long. So I find it to be a very easily digestible, even though the content is kind of a mindfuck. Did you guys feel that it was like really long or did it go by pretty briskly? Like what, how, how are you feeling in terms of like your engagement with the material? I felt like I was dumped right into the middle of a story and that I never really was given the context I needed to understand and care about it. So like, I think it could have been either a little bit longer, like another 10 or 15 minutes. Cause like, I never really, I, I don't feel like I ever got a proper introduction to any of these characters and like what part they were playing in the story, like how everybody related to everyone else. And so maybe I, I needed like 10 minutes left of, creepy toy parade and 10 minutes more of establishment it is a pretty like breathless pace overall like it does go through so the the way that the characters develop in this movie tends to be like through very quick hints and very like brief character interactions like you wouldn't really know that chiba has any affection for Takita, who is Tokita, who is the uh, the developer of the the super fat guy who developed the thing, oh unless God, you're paying really close attention. Character. Yeah, but uh, or the fact that um, the guy that they think is the one causing the, the problems to begin with, the assistant Himuro, you wouldn't know that he was gay unless you caught that like two second brief thing of the porn that they showed in his apartment. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's a really it's like this movie is very much blink and you'll miss it, which fair enough. Like because a lot of the anime that we've watched or the last two anime that we watched had a much more languid pace, and this one certainly did not. Um, it did have moments of like quiet introspection, like here and there, but mostly it was just like very go go go. So. And I think part of that is because, and we talked about this with Akira, is that because, and and with uh, Mononoke as well, is because you in particular, Paul, are more comfortable with this as a genre. You're already find it easier to get immersed and and to uh, you know get over the conceits of the genre. Mm-hmm. So you you're able to pick up more of the subtlety. Whereas I'm just sitting here being like. I have no idea what of this is supposed to mean anything to me. Well, I mean, you could say that for a lot of Inception, too. But although I would say that Inception does a lot more work at the beginning of the movie to set up the conceit. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, Paprika didn't do enough for me personally to set up its parameters at the start. So, like, I didn't get much in the way of context. And, like, there there was even little, like, weird shit that I noticed at the start and then kept waiting to be explained. Like, why the fucking dream world has, like, an online chat room component to it where, like, the dude goes, the detective goes in and talks to paprika and shit mm-hmm. like where does that come from it's just that was just kind of out of left field and stuff little stuff like that though i was just like waiting for some larger link or something and never came i think that that maybe i'm trying too hard to defend the film in this regard but i think that the the movie tries to keep its audience off balance on purpose the pacing of the film tends to like want to keep you confused about the reality that you're watching and like, I, I'm sure that you, as you guys were watching, you knew that there was going to be like, is this a dream moment? I think Mark was like, I knew yeah. that this was coming. I was just waiting for it. But yeah, see, I like a lot. Like in terms of what Tim's talking about, like I think this is one of those things I kind of like in movies where like I, 
I fucking hate it when movies like hold your hand. You know what I mean? Like I like to have to do a little bit of work sometimes. Like when the movie's well put together and there is like all it all fits together and you can go back and see everything like in the little blips here and there to build the story in your head kind of thing. I like that kind of stuff. I know it's not for everybody. And like most movies don't do it anymore. Most movies tend to kind of be like, we're going to take you on the walking tour here and explain everything to you visually and orally. But like this obviously has that Nolan S like, fuck you. You're stuck in this world and just fucking figure it out, which to me is, I mean, that kind of works for me because it gives me, especially when we're doing an analysis like this, it gives me something to like, think about, right? It gets me like put all of it together. So yeah, I don't know. I like that side of it a lot. I guess because it is like yeah, that. Paul's yeah. like a who like it, Paul said it's like kind of a whodunit, and like the mystery aspect of it is also putting together everybody's motivations and stuff just for being involved with the story, and that kind of works for me. So, well, in terms of like the genre, yeah, there's there's whodunit elements to it, but like I kept getting whiplash between dramas. Like sometimes I felt like, is this an office drama? Is this an episode of? law and order dream victims unit or is it like a cyberpunk acid trip and like in those office drama sections i kept feeling like oh i'm on a roller coaster except now i'm like at the bottom of the hill and i feel like i'm being made to get out and fucking push the cars up the hill <laughs> <laughs> see i don't i don't i never thought the, the movie slowed down long enough for that feeling to persist with me you know what I mean? Like it feels it is pretty breathless and that sort of thing. Where like I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" Well, those mm. are the the scenes that kind of allow us to think about the morality of the thing because yeah. it's usually the chairman who talks a lot about how the dreams are our only private place left in the world. Yeah, and that he's morally objecting to the DC project in order to protect thing. Well, what he says is to protect the privacy of our dreams where he actually has ulterior motives to overtake the body of his gay lover slash work slave, slave boy. work slave yeah. boy, which I thought was really cool. So like it, it allows just enough rumination for me to be like, Oh, so they are thinking about like bigger conceits. It's not just, Oh, isn't this technology cool? Oh, there are ethical ramifications that we have to consider. And then but all of the motivations for the people doing what they are doing are as a result of their weird office dynamic. Like the way that, um, what's his name? The slave boy. Os- what's his name? Osana. Uh, Osanai. Osa- Osanai. Yeah. Rapes Chiba in her mind because. Jesus, he- that was fucking rough. Yeah. Because he's uh, obsessed. <laughs> He's obsessed with her. He's jealous of her. He uh, is clearly attracted to her because he's like this, like depraved bisexual, like fucking monster. Which the movie is actually a lot better about its LGBT representation than the original novel, apparently. But like, <laughs> anyway, for anybody that hasn't seen this movie, this rape scene consists of this dude shoving his whole ass fist into Paprika's crotch and then like up through her gut. Yeah, and then we. Yeah. But then we descend immediately into the obligatory tentacle rape. Yeah, and it turns it her body actually kind of turns into like a different texture and like turns into like yeah. a cloth thing that collapses in on itself and he rips off her outer skin to reveal the uh, actual Chiba. body of Chiba underneath. It's really disturbing. Um there are like some pretty s- weird and disturbing moments within because there is a, a a big element of psychological hitchcockian horror to this movie as well 
I don't know. I, th- I don't think you can call somebody shoving their whole fist into somebody's torso Hitchcockian. Hitchcock was a little more subtle than that. Well, Hitchcock, I think the Hitchcockian stuff would be like the... There's an argument to be made, Tim. Yeah. I think that uh, Hitchcock and Subtle are not... A less overtly said sexual, let's say. Again, I'm going to argue that point also, because yeah. we're going we're gonna to make Tim watch True, a psycho. lot of Hitchcock yeah. at some point. Yeah. And not just, like, share of Hitchcock. not just the big ones. you got to watch all the weird little ones, too, because you yeah. see he's a sick fuck, that man, and it is not hidden underneath much when you see all of his movies. It is really so. amazing what Hitchcock got away with in spite of the Hayes Code existing, but Insane. like... Insane. It's just because he was that good at doing everything. Yeah. So, there so, you go. No, anyway. And who had the balls to edit him? You know what I mean? Like, who's really going to be like, oh, you can't do that? Because then he's going to browbeat you, because he was a vicious prick, too, so... Yeah. For sure. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, I think the office politics bolstered the the psychological horror within the dream world the dc world as well which i thought was really cool like the way that um himuro conceives of tokita like the the assistant conceives of his superior as that robot with the tv screen face and that's how he manifests in the dream world because his himuro's dreams have overtaken everybody's uh, everybody's yeah I thought was really cool because we like the reality of other people is what we conceive of them in our own minds, which is really cool. Like you guys are all projections of my perception of you in my own subconscious. Well, that's a very, what is that? Slopstick uh, way of looking at the world, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And so it's like an, an action of that via a really cool animated adventure movie kind of weird i love it anyway <laughs> so what else should we talk about I had a list of questions where did i put them who did you guys think was did you guys uh think that himuro like the original assistant was the one like causing the the dream terrorism to begin with or no, no? so you guys, no, i was uh, I, I kind of immediately was like it, it that's too easy it's yeah. I mean, they they definitely codified like the bald, you know, villain in the wheelchair with like the really arch eyebrows pretty early on. So I was like, all right, this guy's the bad guy, and yeah, yeah. Th- this movie is weirdly subtle for a lot of things, except for with its villain reveal. Like, but then even when it's obvious that he's the bad guy, that weird scene where he his legs have are turned into tree roots and like start chasing after paprika was pretty when i first saw it was like very wtf what the fuck (laughs) like very much that but uh the reveal that osanai was selling his body to himuro and all this stuff like there's a lot of weird twists and turns in spite of the fact that the it would otherwise be a pretty straightforward narrative i guess but i just don't know what that adds to it in some ways like it some of that seemed a little extraneous for me like in a 90 minute movie some of that was maybe like i don't know some of it was probably just lost on me because i'm not i don't know this genre as well as well which i mean i'm a fucking broken record at this point (laughs) well you see in himuro's original dream when they first go into that crazy parade dream world we see osanai as like that giant greek statue which is how 
Himuro perceived of him. And then, so we know that he had a crush on him. There's just like all of the, there's a lot of symbolic language and a lot of it is probably not as immediately accessible because it is weirdly Eastern symbology, but there's a lot of Western stuff that gets mixed into it that gets a little confused as a result. And that was part of, I think, what was really confusing me in terms of the imagery was the genre stuff in general, I found a lot more alienating in this than I did in Akira. So I kept assuming I was missing stuff, missing shit in the dream in, in, uh, imagery that, you know, you'd only understand if you're more familiar with Japanese culture. So I just kept second guessing myself and being like, oh, am I supposed to like, and it was, and again, it's like blink if you miss it or blink or you'll miss it. So like, I'd be like, oh, maybe that's something I should read. Oh, but now they're showing me this. And like, I was just like, it was, it was just fucking like a, an assault on my senses and Again, if it was an assault on my senses that I could even subconsciously process, mm-hmm. then maybe I would have been able to get through it a little bit harder. But because I don't have that cultural knowledge, I can't. I think that the speed at which they throw those things at us means that like, it is, it might add a certain level of depth if you catch every single reference. But I don't think it's necess- necessary to enjoy the overall story. It's kind of like a, a bonus. Like, not not every song or story or movie that we watch, we catch every single reference that the, the author is trying to throw at us. Yeah. This one is like has a lot of overt symbology, but I think it's supposed to, it's meant to be overwhelming because when you're in a dream, sometimes that's the feeling that we get of like, Oh my God, there's so many things thrown at us that sometimes it's just our brain processing random images rather than some deeper meaning to it. And so we have to kind of be more selective about what we attribute meaning to as we're watching it. And sometimes we can just enjoy the ride. (laughs) Because <laughs> it was cool. it was fucking cool to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yes, it was cool to watch. But I mean, maybe you can help me with this because another question that kept popping into my head, and a lot of this stuff was, I think, what was distracting me from the movie in some ways was like, there's a lot of times where people in the real world are having like trippy fucking dream ramblings, and I'm sitting there like reading them, being like are these supposed to mean anything to me? Or is it just that this guy is like fucking out of his mind, you know, high as fuck having this crazy dream. Yeah. And well, so... that's actually weirdly literal because when you, yeah. when uh, Shima starts going through that first weird dream monologue, it seems like he's spouting off random shit and you're supposed to think that he's like, initially it's like, Oh, is he just going through another one of his ramblings? Cause like yeah. the reaction and he does from talk everyone about, like, in the room. Yeah. And he he does start naming off the stuff that you see in the parade later. Like that one I figured out. Yeah. Yeah. But, and so all of those, like, should you attribute a deeper meaning to that? I think that is like maybe one of those things where you get a little bonus if you catch whatever those references are. But I think like, it's just straight up supposed to be, these are like, we, it's like out of the mouths of fools and babes, we expect there to be a deeper meaning to these dream things, but there really isn't. And it's funny because, like, in in the office, the way that uh, Chiba and Tokita and the chairman react to Shima when he starts going into that initial ramble is that they kind of roll their eyes and they're like, oh my god, he's going into one of his fucking bullshit <laughs> things again and he's just spouting off. And then he really goes for it and then launches himself out a window. Which out of, was... like, an eighth-floor window, which he apparently survives and I'm just supposed to be okay with. Does he hit the tree? I'm trying to remember what's going on. Also... <laughs> it- 
I mean, it's a cartoon. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. I I think that the, those dream ramblings are just supposed to show, like, if we're, tr- we're trying to explain, when people talk about their dreams, which is one of my least favorite things to listen to people do, when they're like, oh, I had this crazy dream last night. And they go through every single individual thing that happened in their dream. And I'm just like smiling and nodding and like this doesn't fucking mean anything would you just shut the fuck up i don't care but like it doesn't have any meaning to it it's just kind of like it's just stuff that happened and so all these people are spouting off literally what's happening in the dream word for word and it's just nonsense nonsense yeah. and it just shows how fucking crazy and meaningless dreams can be so yeah. but my problem is with anime half the time, I feel like I'm supposed to be reading into every little bit of symbology that's put in front of me. And when it doesn't have meaning, then I'm just kind of left there floundering. And that's maybe my fault for putting the anime that I have in front of you, because like <laughs> Ghibli is pretty visually symbolic and Akira obviously was like, but th- these are like, I would argue works of art and not like commercial anime fiction. The way that like like Dragon Ball is not particularly super like it takes like some Eastern yeah. symbology, but it's not that deep. Um, and Paprika is kind of both. It's kind of like surfacey and glossy and pretty, and it is trying to talk about bigger ideas about dreams and stuff like that. But also, it try doesn't tr- take itself that seriously. I mean, it's got a the, one of the main characters is a morbidly obese man who uh-huh. orders literally five meals at dinner which by the way is my username by <laughs> yes. one sitting today oh that's and that, i mean that's just basically been you the last couple of weeks though so <laughs> hey i'm bulking okay God, yeah no. and yeah well tokita was that character was another one that just like i found really distracting and again maybe this is something where like this is a common character trope in anime like this nerdy grotesquely fast fat guy that i'm just supposed to think is hilarious or something like that and just a joke to look at and i was just like no i don't want to laugh at this guy and I didn't either. And Tokita is, first of all, in the novel, is not morbidly obese. Like, the extent to which they exaggerated that in this movie is, I agree, a weird choice. Because I tend, like, the problem with Tokita mostly is that he is just about, like, pleasure and positive vibes all the time. And he doesn't, because he didn't think about anything responsibly he didn't put in the correct security measures for the dc mini and he's potentially caused a dream apocalypse to occur and like do i'm not i am still not exactly sure what the point of making him that cartoonishly obese was like especially like it was just so distracting because just so like every five minutes it felt like they were just drawing attention to it and pointing out and be like don't forget this supporting character is like a huge unhealthy fatty that's constantly eating yeah we're gonna show you again just so you don't forget i think uh, like they were trying to make a pretty obvious contrast between him and chiba like the reason that she loves him is because of his temperament because of his personality and like his morbid obesity is barely an issue to her other than the fact that it demonstrates some of the problems with his personality type and that he's completely unfettered in a lot of ways but at the same time like 
him ordering five or six meals yeah. in one just dinner bashing sitting. you over the head with it. It was just kind of like, the, you could have gotten through this. Although the food did look really good. I love the way <laughs> some anime animates draw food yeah the yeah. way they draw food is so tantalizing ghibli is the best for it in my opinion but oh, yeah. these madhouse the studio who does this movie they're really good at it too there's uh, like whole facebook pages and like tumblr pages that are like dedicated to ghibli food drawings yeah. and shit like and illustrations and stuff yeah yeah they <laughs> like the clearly there is a a good fan base for like not just uh pictures of food and animation but like Food descriptions in books as well, like George R. R. Martin's food descriptions in Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Uh, There is a weird side hustle of commission stuff that is just like people do like want drawings of food. Like, (laughs) don't ask me how I know this because what I do for, you know, but uh, yeah, I've definitely gotten some weird requests where like, can you make sure that you're drawing me eating while I'm doing this or this person eating while they're doing this? I'm like, like draw the food particularly you know what i mean i'm like all right do we do we need to introduce our listeners to mukbang is that what's happening right now (laughs) no let's not do that we can do that that can be a different episode (laughs) i don't need to go down that rabbit hole right now my brain is about to leak out of my ears yeah yeah but uh, well and let me ask you guys this did you did you actually get like any spark of romance between tokita and chiba I did not feel it at all. I like when she yells at him, I start like it because of the way it went. I was like, this is really personal for like a coworker thing. And then like there were certain other aspects of it later that started to put itself together. And then I started noticing like the resemblance between Paprika and Tokita, him and her. You know what I mean? Like the, like that they're, it's clearly a meld of the two of them kind of thing. Mm. And I was like, Oh, that's, Oh, wait, are they, Oh, she's in love with him. Okay. It took me a while to get it. Like it, but it it is there. It's just, it's not super clear. And I don't think it needs to be like, I don't know. I think there's also like, they're trying to misdirect you a little bit towards, oh man, I can't remember the top character. Kanakawa or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Which we've not, who we've barely talked about at all. Um, Well, they clear, like they fucking even drop that like super cheesy romantic music when he sees Chiba for the first time. mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was like, why, why are they doing this? Why are they beating me over the head with this? Yeah. yeah, because uh, Konokawa is a uh, not in the books. He is a what we would call a, an author insert character. Hmm. Uh, that feels he, right. Yeah, because he uh, his plot line about being the one who is a patient of Paprika's. Uh, kind of on the side because she's doing these dream therapy sessions without the chairman or anybody else really knowing that they're, she's doing them. And he is kind of an out on the outside looking in, but he, he is conceiving of the dream world from the perspective of a filmmaker. And Konokawa comes from Satoshi Kon, who is the director of the film. And so he's the author insert character, even though those two guys who work at the bar, the tall guy and the little guy are actual, like visually look exactly like Satoshi Kon, the director and Susui, the author of the book. They, they're, (laughs) they took their physical descriptions and animated them to be the gatekeepers of the dream world, which I thought was also very interesting. Sune um, and Kuga, I think, are the names of the characters. So I'm on yeah, the TV yeah, yeah. page just looking yeah, shit yeah. up. So yeah, yeah, they are the weird author analogs. Yeah, but Konokawa is like 
Satoshi Khan himself exploring the novel's concept through the art of filmmaking and trying yeah. to create a visual representation of the author's world. And so the way that he operates is kind of like is he's kind of us, but he's a little bit more meta and deeper than that because he's more he's really involved in the adventure plot and he's kind of like suffering from the the dream sickness the kind of the same way we are because we all have our own hang-ups about you know whatever while we're watching film so yeah, yeah. it's uh there's a lot going on in this movie for a, <laughs> a movie that's 90 minutes long like even i think that's 90 minutes that includes the credits so yeah, yeah it is it, it is dense even though it is you don't have to you could just kind of in, sit there and enjoy the ride i guess and i love the music and like let, let's talk about I let's talk about the well talk we talked about the visuals but like overall as a package this is a pretty package like the animation and the the music the music is done by the same person that satoshi khan often the soundtrack for paranoia agent the tv series that he did but that opening song where paprika is bouncing through Tokyo mm-hmm. is so good, and that whole sequence I could watch a million times. Actually, yeah, that's kind of like I was sitting here watching it again because it's pretty. Like that's my it was my yeah. favorite sequence in the movie. It's just her. I love Anime Girl Run. I don't know why. Like that's one of those <laughs> things. I just I love it. I love Anime Girl Run. I don't know why. It's just like if you're going to animate running, it should look like that because it just always looks so slick and fast. Yeah, and they do all that nice, cool, slidey stuff that they do. I'm like, this is great. Just animate everybody running like this <laughs> all the time. So yeah, that opening sequence, like I like the music, but like the animation and that where she's popping in and out of stuff is like, it's just really cool and kind of trippy to watch. So. Yeah. I like the way that they animate Paprika throughout the movie because she always has that permanent man- Manic Pixie Dream Girl smile on her face until near the end when uh, yeah. like, where, real. Oh, yeah, when Osanai rapes her. Yeah, like it's, that's the only time her fa- and even during her facade doesn't drop until the very end. Like mm-hmm. she's always got this kind of like creepy placid look to her because she's kind of she navigates the dream world pretty much better than anybody else. It's really her environment to play in, and it's and considering Chiba in the real world has like permanent resting bitch face, I I love I really enjoy that contrast. I was into it. Yeah. I was going to say, again, like, I, we're, since we're talking about the relationship between Chiba and Pep, uh, Paprika, I literally, it, it wasn't clear to me until, like, halfway through this movie that they were the same person. Like, it was, I, I couldn't, t- like, I could tell they were clearly related somehow, but I wasn't sure if, like, Paprika was somehow merged with Chiba. Like, Paprika was a separate entity that had taken over Chiba. Whether Paprika was a real person, a digital entity, some combination of both, like a secret identity, which is kind of what it ends up being. So, yeah. I think that's what you're supposed to kind of like, yeah, to go through, I guess, to kind of figure it out. Like, that, because that's, I did the same thing. Because I was like, is she, wait, are they the same? What, how is this working out? Like, is, is that, her dream persona and then that's kind of what it becomes where it's like that's yeah. her like uh whatever you want to call it avatar in the dream world or whatever yeah and so i was like oh okay but yeah at first i had the same thing where i was like what's the what is the explain to me the relationship dynamic here please because yeah. i do not understand <laughs> it but uh i think they do a pretty good job of kind of like 
Eventually they bring you to it. Yeah, they're kind of leading you through a little bit. Like, you can kind of figure it out eventually where, like, he... Because he kind of does, right? Like, when they're sitting in the room. Because that's kind of when I figured it out was when he's sitting in the room with her finally. And he's like, wait, is that Paprika? Like, for real? Like, yeah, in real life? Uh, that's what you... Because he's the author... He's the audience avatar in that situation. That's when you're supposed to figure it out. Yeah, so he kind of yeah. explains it to you. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, 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 Yeah. Because you're supposed to see this, like... Icy, stern woman who is constantly berating the creator of this project, and you like, and then you see Paprika, and you you're not supposed to make that connection right away. Absolutely, yeah. it's supposed to take a little while. Yeah, I appreciate, which is that. fine. Like, I yeah. think that was pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. So, trying to think of anything else that I wanted to ask you guys the, about the this. soundtrack. I really liked, and I actually went and like looked up a little bit about it. Cause I did it. I did find it kind of striking. And apparently it was one of the first film scores to use Vocaloid, like synth- synthesized vocals in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. Vocaloids are a big thing. In, yeah. If you guys don't know Hatsune Miku, she has been an internet meme for a very long time, but in certain circles, but Vocaloids are like a huge thing in Japan and China, I think. Hentai. Hentai is not the same thing, although there is there Hatsune is Miku Vocaloid hentai. hentai. There yeah. is absolutely that. <laughs> if it's rule thirty-four of the internet, yeah. so that is one hundred percent a thing. Absolutely, yeah. So shall we wrap up? Let's uh, let's give our final thoughts on Paprika and what we thought about it in our final ratings. I guess let's start with Mark. If you are looking for a extremely well animated version of Inception. <laughs> I would recommend Paprika very highly. Actually, no, I would really actually I'd recommend this quite a bit. Uh, I had a good time watching. I watched it twice. It's just that it was a week ago, and this week was four centuries long, so I don't really <laughs> yeah. remember as much of it as I wish I did at this point to do an episode. But uh, yeah, no, I had a really good time watching it. Everything about this movie, in terms of like the visual design, worked really well for me. All the characters were distinct and cool looking, and like visually striking. Like I remember everybody's distinct visual identity. I thought the voice acting. Like in the Japanese version, because I like I my brother's brother, and like am forced to just live with the. I have to watch it with uh, subs. Subs only. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I I thought the the voice acting was pretty good uh, in terms of like at least I can detect the emotion in their <laughs> delivery in Japanese, considering what I'm reading at the same time. Um, that was this is one of the this is the one time actually where the subs I found distracting because I was like there's so much visual insanity going on all the time that like reading it, I was like, God damn it. Like these are really long passages that I'm needing to read and be staring at the text while all this fucking nonsense is happening that I want to look at. So it was kind of like, I almost had to watch, I had to watch it twice just to kind of catch everything. But uh, I mean, overall like this for me, if I'm going to give it a number of views, like an 8.5, I will say eight out of 10, I would, I would recommend it if you are a anime fan or trying to get into it a little bit more also if you've seen inception and enjoy that movie there's a 95 percent chance that if you like animated stuff and inception you will enjoy this because chris nolan really ripped this fucker off (laughs) (laughs) uh tim how about you so when konakawa at some point says no movies don't interest me i was like i feel you bro (laughs) <laughs> at, that, at that exact moment uh because yeah this was just not my kind of movie and I, I it's no secret that i am not an anime guy but this is not probably something that i think that i would 
watch again or that I probably would have watched on my own without having been prompted to it. Uh, so it was it was really pretty. It just I found it pretty lacking in my case in the plot department, story department. Mm-hmm. So, her, she got red hair. Let's call her paprika. So, it, so uh, I'm going to assume eight out of ten from Tim. Uh, no, four <laughs> out of ten. Four yeah, out of ten. There you go. So we called him out last week for not, you know, giving harsh reviews, and now he's like, "I'm going to shit in this fucking movie's mouth." Out of points, him. It's good Atta for boy. you. Good for uh, you. Yeah, I have to taking a stand. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love this movie. That's obviously why I picked it. Yeah, voice acting. I didn't get to talk about Megumi Hayabashira, who did Paprika and Chiba. She is one of the has one of the longest resumes in anime history. She was she did Ranma one half. She was the female Ranma. She was Ray in Evangelion. She was Lime in Saber Mar- Marionette J. She's like everything. And she was so good in this anime. I loved her. I love this movie a lot because I love the visuals. I love that it just takes big ideas and uh, runs with them and has fun with them. If you don't mind big, brash, busy, distracting things while not minding needing visual clues to get through your plot, Go for it. It is a great film. It's fun to watch. And I give it a 9 out of 10. And with that, let's move on to our final stingless segment, which is our geek cred, where we recommend something that you should watch or consume media-wise that is geeky. So, Tim, what's your geek cred this week? So my geek cred this week, um, because I didn't have new comics for a while, I was able to start getting into a little bit of my backlog from the last couple of years. And uh, one of those was a Black Lightning series from a couple of years ago. Uh, it was just like a, a six-issue miniseries called Cold Dead Hands. Uh, it was written by Tony Isabella, who is one of the originators of the Black Lightning character, uh, and art by uh, Clayton Henry. Um, if you've been watching the Black Lightning CW series and enjoying it, this it owes a lot to this series. And especially given what's going on in the world right now in terms of injustice, uh, you know, related to people of color in the United States. Um, this has a lot of good bits in it. It's set in Cleveland, which is another like heavily minority populated city. Uh, it has a lot of good things to say just about the experience of being black in America in today's society. It touches on police violence. It touches on like the complex socioeconomic issues, it, all that kind of stuff. So if you're looking for a way to maybe relate to some of that situation, but in a less fucking in your face way than the news reports right now, then I would suggest it. So black lightning, cold, dead hands. Nice. Mark, how about you? Jesus? I don't know anymore. Like what to recommend people. Just, you know what? Do some self care shit. Go do something you want to do. Cause like, fuck the news has been harsh the last couple of days. And it's been, it's getting to me finally, like all this crap is finally like I'm fraying at the ends because of it. What I've been doing is just getting angry and listening to Rage Against the Machine. So here's what I'm going to recommend. Evil Empire, guys. Zach DeLaRocca told you what the fuck was going to happen 20 years ago. Go listen to him tell it to you now and get angry again, because just go get angry, guys. <laughs> fuck. I don't know what's happening in the world, but Rage Against the Machine was speaking the language this week, so or at least this weekend, because, oh, fuck. Yeah, so go listen to Evil Empire and be angry, right. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> For my money. So on Disney Plus, um, they've released these things called Zenimations. 
And so what they've done is they've created like nature sounds that match up to animated scenes of Disney movies. And so basically like there are entire um, scenes dedicated to water sounds. And so you get just the water nature sounds but with the animated backdrop of various Disney movie scenes. So it matches up to like Moana paddling through the water or the birds taking off, the cranes taking off in The Lion King, but just the water sounds and the flapping of the wings. And so they're very, I was watching this, I saw it on like Lifehacker or something. I thought this is kind of stupid, but I'm going to look at it anyway. And I was hypnotized in like, 10 seconds. I ended up watching the entire water episode for the full five minutes and I didn't, my brain just let go. And it was amazing. (laughs) It's Disney ASMR. Yeah. I was just going to say, this sounds like Disney ASMR and I'm like, I'm just not on board with the level of Disney obsession (laughs) that I'm constantly witness to on this podcast. So (laughs) whatever it worked. It was, I need to find different co-hosts i yeah. think that don't want to talk about <laughs> disney this fucking much <laughs> Wait, whatever whatever it was a it was a bomb for my soul and some people might need oh, such man. a thing so take like it. no seriously take it right now yeah. i like i I'm, I'm more in the uh like self-care shit than the actually get angry and listen to rage against the machine thing i just yeah. That's what clicked with me this week was Evil Empire for some reason. So there you yeah, go. But yeah. if you can watch Disney paddling noises, then hey, and man, find some Lord. peace in this world right now. <laughs> yeah. Fucking go for it. Fucking yeah. get it. Get it. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that was our episode. Thank you so much for listening to us ramble about paprika, particularly me rambling about paprika. <laughs> but um, if you haven't already, uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe which you can do via whichever podcatching app you prefer. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you thought about Paprika or anything else that we talked about in the news this week or any of our Geeks of the Week or anything like that. So drop us a line on facebook.com slash Podcast on Twitter at drd underscore podcast or email us at dancerobotdancepodcast at gmail.com. If you really like us a lot, and you want to do us a favor, you could give us a rating on any of those stores and give us a five-star rating because it would probably help us out a lot. So do that and say goodnight, Tim. Good night, folks. Say goodnight, Mark. Good night, everybody. And I've been Paul. Sweet dreams, everybody. God damn it. <laughs>